welcome to the Innovative Missional Ministries podcast. I'm Jeff Heisner, video journalist and digital media director for the Michigan District. And today we're talking with Penny Armbruster from the Loop Clinic. And Penny, while many people already know, why didn't you tell us again what the Loop Clinic is all about and the amazing work that you do there? Absolutely, I'd love to. Seven years ago, um, the infant mortality rate in Detroit was higher than any other city in the nation. And it was at that point that um, a group of people came together to start the Lou Clinic to begin to see what we could do to make a difference. And we looked at what we thought the contributing factors were, um, and we were really surprised that it was it was a lot more than we realized. It, we thought it simply was access to care. And we thought if we put a free high quality clinic in the middle of the city um, and we provided excellent free care, we'd be good. But it's a lot more than that. It's about recognizing the social determinants of health, recognizing the environment which people live in. And that environment is a financial environment, a social environment, a spiritual environment, an emotional environment, um, a physical environment. And all of them uh, are, for my patients, are broken and they're things that people are struggling with. So no car, no childcare no knowledge passed down from anybody in the family that can be relied upon, no support systems. So we have just endeavored over seven years to uh, add in wraparound services. Whatever need a patient brings, we try to meet them either ourselves or through a partner for somebody who knows what they're doing and is an expert in the area. Um, we've seen over a thousand patients in seven years. Um, I, we saw a 76% increase in patients last year, so the need hasn't gone away. It's growing. And last week, uh, nationally, we released our infant mortality uh, rates across the country. And in seven years, it hasn't gotten better. It's actually increased by 3%. So more babies are dying. More mums are dying in Michigan than ever before. So our services hope to address uh, infant mortality, maternal mortality, uh, to give women a choice from having an abortion and keeping their babies and providing 12 months of infant care. So that's basically what we do. Those numbers are heartbreaking right now. It's it, hard to wrap your mind around with how we are as a society and, and all the advances technologically and whatever else it might be that those rates are going up. It is, but you know, in seven years, I've learned an awful lot, Jeff, of things that I would not have believed to be true that are true. And one of them is institutional racism. You say it's hard to believe in this day and age. It's hard for me to believe that in this day and age, there is a pervasive view that Black women don't feel pain, which means that statistically, uh, they don't get given epidurals, they don't get pain management post-delivery, they're treated differently, their opinions aren't listened to, and they're telling the doctor something's wrong with my body postpartum, they're usually just disregarded. And that directly correlates to deaths. And every patient that delivers, I ask them how it went, I ask them about pain medication, I ask them how they're treated. And it's something I've come to see over and over again. And it's not anecdotal evidence to me anymore, it's an accepted fact. And that is just so hard for me to believe in this day and age. But it means that a patient once told me, Miss Penny, you know, black men don't trust police officers. Black women don't trust healthcare providers. So I have to start off with an understanding that a patient comes to me with a lack of trust. 
And for me to be able to treat them medically and for me to be able to um, love them and be Jesus' hands and feet and share the gospel with them, I need a trusting relationship. So that's a lot of what we do is building trust. Uh, so what are you seeing right now at the Loop Clinic? And then kind of talk about what's new. What, what are you what are you kind of dealing with? So on, on an extremely positive front, we know that a woman who's considering an abortion, uh, the most important thing we can do to um, educate her and encourage her to keep her baby is to perform an ultrasound. And we partner with a group called Preborn who donated two, two 3D, 4D ultrasound. Now I didn't know, cause I'm not an expert. 3D is a 3D picture and 4D is a 3D video. So we have skin tone. It is quite remarkable to look at these ultrasounds. And we've been given one of these amazing machines. Um, and what an amazing opportunity that is for us. We don't force a woman to have an ultrasound who's considering an abortion, but it is an option. And nearly everybody says yes. In fact, I don't really remember a patient saying no. And it speaks volumes. We don't have to be coercive. We don't have to... Uh, try to tell them something they can't see for themselves. It's It speaks for itself and it humanizes that baby very, very, very quickly. So uh, we were given two of those. Um, and as I mentioned before, it, it's a continual increase in patient. And I would say uh, that's an amazing opportunity, but it's also a challenge for us because I don't think our staff has grown uh, in the last three years. And so we've got the same number of people, really, when you look at a 76% increase, we're pretty stretched thin. And uh, we we do need to be able to hire staff. But in this environment, finding a nurse who feels called to um, care for the population that we care for and work in a ministry setting, it's a tall order. So I think it's as much we have the need as we have to wait for God to provide that person. So... That's something that um, has been really difficult for us this year. And I've had to move my nurse from Flint, who lives in Frankenmuth, to take care of my Detroit patients. So she drives 194 miles each way every time she comes to clinic. Um, so, yeah, it is, it's a big deal trying to keep up with demand. So while you touched on that, why don't you talk about Flint specifically and what's happening there? Yes. Yeah, so uh, Flint is... Um, probably an eighth of the size of Detroit. So when I had to look at, I don't have staff to keep both clinics open right now, we had to make a decision to keep Detroit open. So very, very sadly, we had to temporarily close the Flint Clinic to move the staff down to Detroit to keep the Detroit Clinic open. Um, I think uh, this year, funding-wise, um, the the first two quarters were really light on funding, um, which also makes it difficult when you need to hire people because you need to have consistent income. And so I think to reopen Flint, I need solid funding that's reliable and I need to find the right person. So I would love to be able to reopen Flint at the end of first quarter, but that's really a timing issue. Yeah. Uh, I Obviously, finding those people, that's one of the challenges. Are there some other challenges that you're facing right now at this time? And then funding, you mentioned as well. I think we moved to a new funding model this year. Uh, we are using a model where we like to build relationships. We like to build buy-in. We like to um, 
really educate um, our potential donors with multiple events and once a year do a fundraiser. And the Loop Clinic has never held a fundraiser. We're doing our first one this Saturday. And the goal is by the time a potential donor comes to the fundraiser, they are more than ready to give. And we are looking at asking for sustainable, non-designated gifts and pledges for five years. So what we're looking for is to somebody say, yep, I would like to commit to the Loop Clinic for five years. The opening um, amount people can donate is um, $5,000 over five years, which sounds a lot, but it's actually $83 a month. So we are really hopeful that for $83 a month, we have relationships with our donors that we should be able to walk away and have some funding that we can make staffing and long-term decisions on. So that's that's exciting for us. We've got some patient testimonies. We've got a new video that we're previewing. Um, we've got staff testimonies. I think it's going to be a very encouraging event. Is there a chance for people to still get involved at the event or, or be a part of it? So this event is full right now. We will be doing another one. Um, this one is being held in Belleville, which is kind of south down by the Detroit airport. We will be doing kind of a repeat version of this event in April, probably up in Frankenmuth to allow people from the north to be there. So there will be an opportunity. But if people want to give or people are already givers and they'd like to sign up and pledge for five years or increase their donation, they can do that via the website, thelootclinic.org, or they can call the office and we can work with them on the best way to give, sometimes just giving cash is not the best way to give for people. There are much more tax efficient strategies depending on where you're at in life. So we like to have a good conversation with you about the best way for you to give. So Penny, we're as we're recording this, we're basically a year removed from Michigan legalizing abortion. Um, the March for Life just happened in Lansing. Um, with society kind of, I don't wanna say evolving, but changing into uh, the thought that abortion is acceptable and maybe even celebrated at times, how do you talk to expected mothers who may be pregnant and fearful and when they come to you for the first time? So um, I recognize all of those things to be true at a societal level. But I think in seven years, what I have seen is women inherently realize that there is something that they resist in abortion, that it they they do feel guilty and they don't always feel comfortable. Uh, in my experience, I don't think women have abortions because they want one. I think they have abortions because they feel like they have no choice. So I see a lot of women who've made an appointment for abortion, gone, and at the last minute couldn't go through with it. But that means they come to me still with their situation unchanged, still feeling like they're not capable, they don't have the resources, um, and they're not ready to have a baby, or they're undecided. Um, but I really approach everything the same, which is, you know, and I really have to say when we have this conversation, Jeff, that um, I'm sure it's a radical position for a lot of people listening to this podcast. But I feel very strongly that as a ministry, we haven't gone down to Detroit and Flint to tell people how to live. We've gone down to empower women and save lives and build faith. So the first step is relationship. 
So I need a relationship with somebody. I need to listen to them. I need to get to know them. I need to hear their situation. I need to hear their uh, reasoning. I need to hear their hopes. I need to hear their dreams. And then it's empowering. So then it's looking at what are the barriers? What are the things that you're concerned about? You don't have insurance. You don't have an opportunity to get good care. Um, you're working. Um, you don't have time. Uh, like each client, we take one thing at a time and we try to address each of those concerns. And in orientation, I tell a patient, we don't know when you walked in here what you were carrying with you emotionally. But I do know when you leave here that you won't be on your own. And for a lot of it, that's what it is. Um, I always leave it open to the woman at the end. Um, there have been a couple of instances when I was very, very worried um, that somebody was going to choose an abortion because they left quite determined. Um, but ultimately, that's when my um, one of my board members, Pastor Tyler Cronkite, said to me, there were times when the disciples couldn't drive out a demon. And they went back to Jesus and said, why can we not do this? And he told them some of them can only be driven out by prayer. And I'm not saying these women are demon possessed by any stretch of the imagination. But what I'm saying is sometimes it's the power of prayer. And so at the end of clinic, we've come together as a team. We've prayed. We've sent out prayer requests. And I'm blessed to say in both circumstances, those mums by the next day changed their mind and called us and decided to keep their babies and remarkably, our statistics from the people that we have tracked, we've seen over a thousand patients and we've recorded 10 who chose abortion. I'm not saying that, that those 10 weren't a devastating loss and that there might have been others who we thought moved or didn't come back to clinic who may have had them. But I really do comfortably feel like at the Luke Clinic, not only are we providing medical care, but we're providing you through education. Every time you take a class, you get something you need. So if you take safe sleep, you get a pack and play. If you take car seat safety, you get your car seat. So by taking education classes, the patients, by the time they're done, they've got absolutely everything they need to welcome that baby home, as well as support, care. If they've got nobody to come to the delivery room with them, we have amazing doulas. Uh, we have staff members who've invested time and energy with patients. I think that the key is to not be alone and be supported. But again, I'm going to make it very, very clear. We're not coercive. We don't we don't send them away feeling guilty. In fact, the patients who I know chose abortion, I told them very clearly, please call our 24-7 triage line. Please stay in touch. We still want to walk through this with you. We don't refer them. We don't do options counseling, but we do whatever we can to maintain relationships. How can people support you? How can people get involved with the ministry? Well, I would be very encouraging uh, and say, it doesn't matter what your skill set is. I sat next to an artist at lunch yesterday and she said, there's nothing I could bring to the medical clinic. And I said to her, oh, yes, <laughs> I think if you had a table with, you know, art supplies, my ladies would find that so relaxing. They can be in the waiting room for an hour and they would love to complete an art project. Um, so I think whatever your skill set is, if you feel moved by the work that we do, um, give me a call. God can use everything. I mean, obviously, we take medical people, we take administrative people, um, but we take childcare. We're, we're really desperate for childcare workers. And who doesn't want to sit and rock a baby for a couple of hours? So, you know, there's food preparation. We have a clothing closet. Um, there's so many different things you can do and that we train. So there, if you're interested 
Uh, there's a lot of people who've come in thinking they had very little to bring to the table, but they've built up their confidence and now they're absolutely vital to the work we do. So I would encourage anyone of any age, if they're passionate and interested, we'd love to have you come and get a tour. Anyone can get a tour. We do them at two o'clock, the first and third Thursdays of every month, and it'll give you a sense of if you see yourself there. Yeah. So what's next for the Loop Clinic? Well, that's exciting because a lot depends on the fundraiser. <laughs> everything, everything no pressure, a little, right? <laughs> little bit dependent on money. Um, but I think next year we really feel committed to move into the area of behavioral health and um, going a little bit deeper in addressing the role of childhood trauma and the role that it plays uh, in our patients' lives. And we're also introducing some programming uh, on faith questions for our patients. So we have group uh, sessions where we do our education and we're going to bring in somebody from Young Life, a wonderful young lady who's going to be taking all their faith questions with just our whole approach to education is let's let's have a straight talk. What are the myths? What are you hearing? What is true? What is not true? And we thought how fun would that be to do one on the Bible and what it means to be a Christian? Um, we also are offering baptism and we've done even marriage classes. We had our first uh, Luke Clinic wedding this year. Um, so we're we're excited to really build on that. Uh, now we'll have links to the website and contact information all available in the show notes below. So make sure you check those out. Penny, thanks so much for taking time today. It's always a, a pleasure to get the chance to talk to you and hear so much about what's going on at the Luke Clinic. Well, I'm excited too, Jeff, honestly, because I think all of us, what we do is so rewarding. It's exhausting, but it's rewarding. But uh, God continues to provide and continues to open doors. And sadly, uh, the need is is great. And I, I'm, I believe very strongly that as Lutherans, we're pro-life but pro-life isn't just turning somebody away from an abortion clinic because nothing's changed in her situation. It's about coming alongside them, addressing the struggles, addressing the barriers, uh, sharing hope, sharing Jesus, and, and staying in relationship with somebody. And we have our nine months of prenatal care and 12 months of infant care. That really gives us an opportunity to put our money where our mouth is. And when we say we want to help you, we concretely can. And, and that, to me, uh, at a time where being pro-life is, is uh, contentious and people who are pro-life are a little burnt out and disillusioned, it's very invigorating to be down at the Luke Clinic because we truly can walk the walk, talk the talk, and it makes a difference. Oh, that's awesome and so very, very well said. So thank you for all you do. We also want to thank you, the listener, for making this podcast part of your day. God bless.